Hey, what are you doing on March 6th and 7th? How about making your way to DX3 in Toronto for a two-day deep dive into digital marketing, digital advertising, and digital retailing? Along with a free exhibit hall, there are going to be over 40 sessions, including speakers from Microsoft, Salesforce.com, Google, Well.ca, Facebook, Lowe's, and Mountain Equipment Co-op. Come see what one attendee called a rare thing in the digital world. Register at www.dx3canada.com today. See you there. Welcome to This Week in Location-Based Marketing, the most trusted podcast dedicated to the new business of location. Welcome to episode number 115 of This Week in Location-Based Marketing. We're recording this live on February 1st, 2013, first day of February. My name is Rob Woodbridge from Untether.tv, located in Frigid, again, Ottawa, Ontario, Canada. With me always, Asif Khan from the Location-Based Marketing Association. Slightly less frigid here, but uh, equally cold, I'll say. Um, but hey. I'm uh, I'm off to San Francisco next week, so that c it can only get. Where better. are you? What are you doing in San Francisco, Asif? I am uh, heading off to speak at the uh, Apps World Conference, which is uh, going to be awesome. We got a uh, a great panel on location, featuring some of uh, the guys we talk to here regularly. Urban Airship will be on the panel with me. Uh, Sachi's uh, mobile uh, arm of their agency, uh, Sachi. Uh, we've got uh, M Blocks on that panel as well. Um, and uh, and AT and T, so it'll be uh, it'll be pretty cool. You know the best part of all of that, right? That I just heard right there. Aside from you sitting with all of those great companies, is San Francisco. Yeah, yeah. well, it's one of my favorite places. So yeah, I did spend uh, almost three years of my life there. So it is a uh, it is an incredible place, and uh, it is incredibly uh, warm. Even if those folks in San Francisco think that fifteen or sixteen degrees Celsius is cold, stop your complaining. Well, it should be a good one, and I expect a full wrap next week of what happens at this conference it should be a, a you know the penultimate uh, mobile event sounds cool yeah before we begin i want to remind uh, you that you can subscribe to this podcast through itunes or through any uh, of your uh, podcast readers through an rss feed but i implore you to do that it's probably the easiest way to get this it's the fastest way to get this you'll never miss an episode you will have this in your ear every monday morning should you choose to subscribe that way and we really would appreciate it if you can and if you're in there and you've already listening to this from your from your headphones because you've subscribed go in to the place where you have actually subscribed from and please please give us a great rating it helps us it helps you it helps us keep doing this right so the only thing that we ask after contributing an hour taking away an hour of your time every week from all of these stories is to go and give us a good review in whatever uh podcast feed or uh, application you use it and we really appreciate it thank you please please do that so that that's our plea that's our plea what do you say we jump into this we're going to mix things up a little bit uh, you know last week i was fascinated by a an application called moves I'm still fascinated by with it it's like the gamification app I, I love it because i'm always trying to outdo the steps that i took last week um or yesterday and I never can because I'm lazy and I'm behind a computer the whole day. You weren't the only one fascinated. I, uh, I, I jumped on it as a result of you bringing it to my attention. And, uh, and then, uh, uh, was it yesterday, uh, there was a Twitter message that came out from them saying uh, they were apologizing to everybody because it, the system was down and they, had, they were out buying more servers. So um, apparently a lot of people were fascinated by it. So there, there, were, there was 23 minutes yesterday where I do not have a reading. So I blame that on the fact that it was my lowest day yesterday. So thank you, guys, Moves. Uh, and I, you know what? They could credit us, right? Our audience is an active audience, and hopefully you guys all downloaded it. And We got another one this week, something that uh, Asif pulled up. And, and we're going to start with this story, which is not really a story. It's a fascination. Uh, this app is called Voto. Short one. 
Asif, talk about a Voto. Voto app. Yeah, it's cool, and and it's uh, it starts as an app. They released this as an app, um, and apparently they're bringing this in uh, the form of kiosks, iPad kiosks, and such as well in store. But effectively, what Voto is is a way when you're out shopping and and you know you're you find something that looks interesting, but you're not sure if you're going to buy it, and you want the opinion of you know trusted friends and family and such. Um, what happens is you take a, a photo of the things that you're looking at and they've, they, they've effectively created a, a simple way for people within your social networks to vote and provide their opinion on, on, on something in a very visual image driven uh, format. So, you know, nothing, you know, you don't type anything. It's, it's purely sort of image based and, and people just click on the one that they like and then it starts to rank and score and gives a certain percentage, you know, 16% of the people like this one. and. 32% of the people like that one. So um, really interesting, really simple. I, I think it's got a lot of potential. Uh, and all, even as a, as a kiosk uh, uh, solution in store, I think, I think there's uh, some big potential here. Um, the, uh, the founder, um, Scott Paul, our CEO, describes it as, or he says this, we created Vado to be an easy and fun way to ask questions to a social network using images. And our vision is to gain valuable analytics uh, from the mobile social marketing space using images. So it's all about images. Um, and I like it. Yes, so do I. And I think that there's a huge, huge, huge potential for this for, for testing new products. Uh, you know, I think that this is that kind of, maybe this is the missing element that Instagram doesn't have, right? Which is the ability to choose, right? So you take a snap of four colors or four book covers or four product uh, packaging and you send it out to your community to be able to see if if whichever one resonates more. And and this is, I love this. This is this is testing. This is user testing, A, B, C, D testing. And I, I think it's pretty cool. You know, I, I, my, my social network and my friends are not as involved in getting me dressed every every morning. I do that pretty much all by myself. Sometimes it shows, right? But, uh, you know, I, I do dress myself and I do choose my own clothes and for, for right or for wrong. But um, I, I can understand how a generation below us would, would find that this would be appealing. Certainly, they're, they're all much more in, in, in touch with it. And I would hope that if I had a daughter like you, right, that she would yes. take pictures of the clothes that she's going to choose to wear or choose to buy so I could veto them before they get off the rack. You know what I'm saying? Exactly. Right. Yeah. It's perfect for you. See, if you just got to wait, hopefully. Well, because then you see, then you get like in the video that, uh, that, that we're going to show about this, um, you know, there, there's a quick example there about, uh, you know, different people in the social network voting and, and the girl sends it out to her network and, you know, other girls are voting and saying the red one, the green one, and then the guy, the guy, <laughs> couple guys in the network vote and say the one, the, the shorter one. one. Yeah. <laughs> split, so, so there well, you go. I, I like this. And if you're, if you're interested in it, it's uh, Voto app, V-O-T-O app.com. And, uh, you know, this is another fascination. We hope to bring these kind of applications up to the forefront when it comes to, you know, these are, these are location, these are location marketing. Uh, the analytics behind this yeah. are going to be incredible. The, uh, as soon as they get, uh, they engage with uh, um, photo recognition, um, all of a sudden this is something that can be marketed. And I think it's a, it's a great start. It's a simple app until you start to think of the consequences and then it, it starts to escalate. And I think that that's why. This is a fascinating, fascinating business. So Voto app, V-O-T-O app.com, go download it at the App Store. I don't think that there is a version yet for the Android devices, but uh, they're asking if you're interested to sign up on the, on the website. So Voto app. Yeah. So there, a little bit of fascination. Now we're going to mix it up a little bit uh, around the structure of the show. We're, we're trying to test to see what works well, and I'd love your feedback, please, to let us know what, if this works for you or not. We do have our usual bevy of serious content here. We've got six great stories that incorporate some huge funding, some acquisitions. We got um, certainly, uh, you know, what what I think has been labeled as the Airbnb for uh, office space. Uh, big news from Living Social, big bad news from Living Social. A cool vending machine that is in partnership with uh, Pepsi and Intel. All those stories are going to be coming up right after this, which is our special guest this week, who is Scott Kavitan, the CEO and founder of Urban Airship. We talked about these guys maybe three weeks ago, uh, and they had they had bought a company called Tello, and they integrated Tello right away, and they started releasing this passbook um, product to uh, out to uh, for a, a limited group of their customers. And uh, I just sat down with Scott recently, last week, 
to have a conversation about this. And so this is it. This is that piece of the conversation about how they integrated Tello, how they rolled it out and how they see location as such an important piece to what they're doing with Passbook and, uh, and Tello. So without further ado, we'll bring in Scott. Then we're going to jump into the news right after we're finished with Scott. So here is Scott Creeton, CEO of Urban Airship. In the last year, what have you seen? What shifted for you guys? Uh, you, you know, from, from a year ago, uh, messaging, and, and has anything shifted for you guys in the industry as it's grown? Yeah, I mean, I think, I think what's happening is, um, you know, this, this channel, this smartphone channel is really starting to mature. And just like with the web before it, you know, we saw developers come first. Uh, they were the early adopters. And, and, you know, we saw a bunch of companies appear during the late 90s and early you know, turn of the century uh, that were, were very focused on that developer ecosystem. You know, we're no different uh, how we got our start. Um, and if you ask folks today, a lot of them will say, oh yeah, Urban Airship, they're those, they're those guys who do push for developers. And uh, what we found is that, you know, as a channel starts to mature, the marketers show up and they bring their deeper pocketbooks and their insatiable appetite for ROI and, you know, being able to understand and engage their audiences. And so, We've really made this this sort of shift over the last year, um, and it's you know just the customers who are showing up. But you know our goal is really to be able to help our customers drive that lifetime value out of their end users, out of their customers, um, through engaging and compelling experiences through their mobile devices. And you know at the core of that, messaging. But there's so many other pieces around that uh, with location and and you know being able to do uh, you know campaigns that effectively engage these users. Um, and so, so we, we think of it more than just apps and messaging. It's how do I, considering every single person on the planet in the next five years is going to have one of these in their hands, and it's never going to be more than three feet. Um, you know, how, how can we be the, the fabric of the industry around messaging for that? And so that's, that's a, a broad, a really big vision um, for us. And, and so that was part of the reason why we looked at uh, Tello, because we saw passes as a really great way. They're like mini apps. Um, and, and it really opened up our audience for us. And again, it's still, um, once you get that pass on the device to manage it, you have to use push, right, to update it. Uh, and then, of course, there's a location component because you want that pass to appear uh, when, when the user's in the right place at the right time. And uh, so, you know, we, we knew uh, Joe Beninato and the Nutello crew from True Ventures. We had a mutual investor. And we got to know each other. <laughs> and it just was a natural fit. I mean, we did the deal really, really quickly. And uh, uh, they, they've been phenomenal. And, and having the additional office down in Palo Alto, it's a different talent pool that we can go after, too. Uh, and, and you know, we're kind of getting good at these, these acquisitions, I think. So um, yeah. yeah, acquisitions and then action on the acquisitions. And that's, that's what I love is that uh, you know, this is no uh, you know, uh, uh, Apple acquiring Siri and then two and a half years later rolling it out. Like you guys, you guys were obviously working together with Tello, uh, maybe leading into this acquisition. But it was almost like Tello acquisition, bang, product out. You, you know, I mean, you're out now. I mean, I, I had a great chance to interview Joe um, when when Tello was a different company before a pivot, right? That brought them into the Passbook. Um, yeah, yeah. And, and uh, it, you know, it's an interesting thing. Like, I I think that Passbook is an unsung hero. It's a you know, it's it's a it's a low hanging fruit for companies that want to get into mobile and get into the, this entire uh, you know push world or communications world with their customer and not have to fork over hundreds of thousands of dollars to do it. Right? It's a very 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 effective way to be in front of you know, potentially, you know, 160 million people on, on the iOS yeah. platform. We, we actually just hosted a uh, webinar with the, uh, the MMA uh, yesterday. And uh, I, I mean, it was the most attended webinar they've ever had. I mean, it was amazing. And it was Joe and then our CMO, Brent Higelke, who, uh, who, who led folks through an hour-long discussion about the opportunity around passes. And then, you know, of course, we talked a little bit about the product as well. Um, and uh, you know we, we've got a great relationship with MMA. I'm a huge fan of uh, Greg Stewart, who's their global CEO. We actually won the, the MMA Global Enabling Technology Company of the Year last year. Um, and so uh, you know, for I'm a huge fan of industry and sort of trade organizations um, because it's about you know those organizations help you know raise the bar, and it's a, a rising tide lifts all boats kind of thing. So, um, anyways, so we've been really excited about working. Well, with you guys. okay, so tell. How how important is is uh, is Passbook or are these passes for you guys now that now that you've kind of sunk your teeth into Tello and you started to roll this out? Obviously, there's a lot of interest in this, but is there still confusion in the market? Uh, what are you seeing? It's uh, you know when we did the survey on the the uh, on the webinar yesterday, probably about uh, I think there were 
15 to 20% of the people were like in process and building products and wanted to see if there was an opportunity to, to work with, with folks like us. Um, and then everybody else was sort of gathering information. Um, and what we're seeing is, you know, this, it feels a lot like Push did, um, you know, three and a half years ago. People were sort of like dabbling in it. Um, but what we found is that, you know, the, a lot of these folks already have an app and they're realizing, wow, these passes can really augment that app. And uh, they're helping drive more downloads of their app. But it's a great way to kind of, you know, engage, a lightweight way to engage with a brand through these passes. Um, and it, it you know, opens up, you know, the, the types of customers we can go after uh, because they don't have to have an app. Um, but we can actually shepherd them through this whole thing, saying, hey, why don't you start with passes, and then maybe you can do an app, and then figure out how you engage that consumer over time. And um, so, so to, to us, it's very, very exciting. What can I say about Scott Kavitan that I haven't already said about this guy? Uh, that was the third episode that we've done together on Untether.tv. They'll be up in a couple of weeks when you, you this is an advanced clip, which is so rare. Uh, it'll be up in a couple of weeks and you can watch the whole thing. But uh, I, I please go to urbanairship.com. Take a look at what these guys are doing. Uh, big fan of this. You know, they call themselves part of the plumbing of mobile. And I, I, I truly believe what these guys are doing is incredible. You know, see, when I sat down with Scott, he was talking to me about the growth that they've had over the last uh, year. And it is insane. Like they're up over 125 employees. They're, they're yeah. uh, you know, they've been profitable since pretty much day three kind of thing, but they are, uh, they anticipate that they're going to double in size offices around the world. Scott, it, and, and the first time I sat with him, there were 20 employees. I love, I love this story. So huge fan. Well, it's amazing. The acquisitions that they've made are just bang on. Like they're, and then being able to pull them and integrate them, you know, really quickly and, and get, get things to market. And, you know, ultimately they're making money, which is what I like. So. <laughs> exactly. I love it. So Scott, thanks for doing that. Uh, check out urbanairship.com, but please come back to untether.tv in a couple of weeks. You'll see that full interview. There's there's already a couple of them up there if you're interested in how they actually did grow their revenue 460% uh, in 2011. Uh, it's, it's just incredible, great story. Uh, success in the mobile space thus far. All right, so let's jump right into our stories here. Uh, we've got six great, or actually five great stories that are coming up. And uh, some acquisition news and some funding all wrapped into this. It's going to be a quick thing in our, our resource of the week as well. Uh, we're going to be talking about the location-based, the state of the location-based services in 2012. It's a great infographic that we will finish off. But our first story, the only way I can label this is the Airbnb for uh, office rentals. It, it, that's probably the best way to classify this. 42 floors, they raised a little bit of money. Yeah, they did. Uh, a lot of money, I think. $12.3 million. <laughs> maybe uh, maybe too much fact. money, Asif. Well, it, it depends on where they're going. I mean, but, uh, you know, $12.3 million bucks, uh, coming from, you know, some uh, industry uh, veterans here. We've got uh, uh, Bessemer Ventures, Reddit, um, its co-founder, a uh, bunch of, you know, names around the industry, Chris Dixon, Dave McClure, guys, guys we know um, well. And... Uh, so there's some obviously serious um, pedigree coming with this money and and, and relationships. Um, you know, it's an interesting startup. I th you know, I'm actually surprised that there aren't more players in this space. Uh, you got, I mean, you mentioned Airbnb. You know, for people, uh, you know, effectively renting out their homes uh, to other people. You, you've got uh, Zwillow. You got Trulia. You got you know, sort of a bunch of guys in this market, but. Nobody's really gone hard. I, I, you know, this is the first one of the first I've seen, uh, you know, with this kind of money behind it that's going after office rental space, um, and so you know, just trying to you know take space that's on the market that uh, you know is vacant right now, uh, and 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 bring it some exposure and, and and find people you know and and bring that marketplace together between people looking for office space and and space that's that's currently sitting empty. So. Uh, they've got listings in San Francisco, New York, um, and uh, a few other markets, and and they're going from there with 12.3 million a couple months. Yeah, uh, this, I, I think it's a, it's an incredible idea. Like you know, th their value add here is that they are not charging, and uh, you think about the implications of this. They're they're trying to change the business model for. Uh, for leasing and subleasing empty places or places that are about to be empty and and I, and I think that that's it's an interesting model because they're not charging for anything they have a team of photographers that they say that will descend on your location at the drop of a hat to take photos beautiful stunning photos of your place so that they can get them up online it doesn't cost anything to actually display the uh, the um, 
uh, I guess the, the building or the apartment or the office space. And they yeah. make money off of affiliate programs through like moving services and through uh, um, furniture rental services and those kind of things. So they're trying to take a different approach to the entire, um, you know, basically classified section for finding and leasing and renting office space. I think that's pretty cool. Yeah, I think the business model is interesting. We'll <laughs> I see, don't know if it's uh, going to make any money. See whether they can make any money off of it. Um, but obviously, you know, so, somebody's uh, taking a chance here, especially with Bessemer uh, and, and the guys around this. But, uh, you know, uh, I think it's an untapped market. I think there's opportunity there, um, you know, to help, uh, you know, move uh, properties faster uh, in a more efficient way. You know, and let's see what yeah, happens. And they've raised over, over $17 million total. And this is, uh, we should say, this is a Y Combinator uh, graduate um, and yes. a lot of demand outside of their two areas. And I think that's where this money is going towards, obviously, to go and expand beyond uh, these two places, San Francisco and New York, and into an international audience as well. I don't know how hard it would be, um, although scaling without charging and then having photographers required in order to be able to take great, beautiful photos, that might be a challenge, um, unless they team up with local colleges or uh, universities, yeah. right? Uh, and, and their programs, but still fascinating. You can find more information about these guys. They are at 42floors.com. We were joking, like, just wait, we're gonna we're gonna do one in Canada here called 43floors.com, right? See? 43. Yeah, I'm all for it, let's go. 43 floors. Plenty of office space sitting around in this city, I'll tell oh, you yes. that. Yes, there is, yes. Doesn't stop them from building more though. No, of course not. Well, uh, I like this model. It's an interesting thing. We'll, we'll keep an eye on 42 floors. And if you guys have ever used them, um, I mean, I've never used them. If you've used them, I'd love to hear. Love to hear how it went. Did you find a place? All right, our next story. This makes sense. It's a quick story that uh, these five uh, Taiwanese carriers uh, coming together for a joint venture for mobile payments. First of all, there, there are yeah. five carriers in, in Taiwan. Is that it? Apparently, um, you know, and yeah, I guess I'm not surprised. I mean, I think it, it's a market that, uh, you know, is uh, is certainly more competitive than, uh, you know, this country, uh, for sure. Um, and I think most, many of the Asian markets, uh, telecom markets are. Um, you know, this, this follows a trend that uh, we've been seeing across a number of different jurisdictions, uh, a number of different uh, national markets. You know where the carriers uh, are setting up joint ventures to, uh, you know, sort of aggregate their customer base uh, around an opportunity to provide a mobile payments uh, network initiative, loyalty platform. I mean, we talked last week, uh, or a few weeks ago, I should say, we talked about Weave, which is the UK's version of this, um, and and here we're seeing this from Taiwan as well, and obviously in the US we have ISIS, in Canada we have uh, programs going on here, so. You know, this is something that's happening everywhere, and you know, I, I think uh, we're going to see many more of these in other markets as well. Um, you know, the uh, the interesting thing about these things, though, is, is you know they have to get approval. The carriers have to get approvals in all in all cases. Same with we did uh, uh, from from the government, and um, and part of that approval process means that you know it's not just the initial carriers, the five in this case that want to put this thing together, but you know they they've mandated that anybody else who wants to join has to be allowed to join after the fact, um, and uh, they can make investments, they can have equal participation in this. Um, there's no preferential treatment for anybody uh, in the in this uh, in this system. So uh, you know I think that's that's an interesting angle to look at. Especially if somebody you know who's not in the market right now comes into the market, right, and uh, all of a sudden only wants to play in the payments piece. Well, <laughs> right, um, you know we'll, we'll see where that goes. But um, you know I like it. I support these kinds of things. I think it's important to have ubiquity across the payments network uh, with as many different subscribers uh, available to you uh, when when you're you know the retailer trying to reach somebody through this. So. It, you know, it does. And, and unfortunately, when it, even when it comes to carriers around the world, First In always puts up the huge effort in order to be able to pave the way for everybody else. It's the same way, you know, when, when the original carriers here in Canada, like Bell Canada, laid all the copper they could in order to be able to get phone lines up and active. And then uh, Cable came in and said, well, listen, you know, we're, we're going to get into this business. Or, or you know, the uh, smaller, uh, I guess the Klex came in and said, oh, you know what? 
we want to be uh, phone providers as well. And you have to give us, it was mandated, that you have to have, the, the carriers have to give them access to the copper. Um, so it takes away your, your, uh, your advantage, your competitive advantage. You've put all the money into the infrastructure, but it re removes the possibility from a, monop from a monopoly. And, and so I think that there's, there's a good balance here and it's gonna happen across, Taiwan is just an example of what's gonna happen across the world when it comes to mobile payments like mm -hmm. this. It's, it's just, it's a natural evolution. Yeah, yeah, no, um, and uh, yeah, I just expect more of these things to happen in, in other markets, you know, uh, as well. You know, just a quick side story, you know, a little bit, uh, I hope you don't mind uh, me going off track from the payments piece, but just because we're, we're over in that part of the world, uh, another story that just popped into my head that I was reading about this week, which is very relevant to the location uh, community that, uh, that we're talking to here, is in Vietnam, there is a big controversy controversy going on around WeChat um, and what happened was is uh, the WeChat app uh, you know WeChat is all about you know as the name implies it's a chat application or messaging application but you can share your location in that with people that you're talking to and, and maps uh, uh, as well are part of that sharing experience and one thing that happened on this is, is that um, there, there's a, a territorial dispute going on between Vietnam and China around a couple of islands that are in between them. And um, the um, if you're in Vietnam and, and you pull up uh, the maps uh, part of this uh, in English or in Vietnamese, you see the normal Apple, Google Maps where, where they're pulling them from. But if you switch the language to Chinese, you see a different version of the map that is showing Chinese claim of those properties, um, you know, sovereignty over those properties, which has has offended tons of people. All of a sudden, there's been a massive uh, amount of people in Vietnam this week that have basically dropped WeChat, and we're seeing this over and over again with other Chinese-based uh, companies like Baidu and other things. Uh, it's also happening in, in other markets over there. So, this is something that has to be watched, and I think it also has implications to the payments discussion. Uh, because a lot of these payments platforms are starting to look at you know loyalty and offers and deals and and mapping being tied to that as well. Um, and I think in that region of the world, uh, you know, where there's Chinese speaking population uh, that you know obviously want to communicate in that language in in markets outside of China, this is a going to be an ongoing concern. We're going to see uh, a lot of this happen. So uh, there you go. So sorry to sidetrack. No, it's worthwhile. It's it's worthwhile. I, th I think that. Um... You know, at one point it was easy to draw boundaries, right? But especially when you can translate into multiple languages and uh, or, or you display things in different languages and it, it changes the boundaries. And uh, especially when there's, you know, there's been battles in, in Kashmir uh, with Pakistan held Kashmir versus India held Kashmir. And, and the, the battle that goes on there to, to this date is over where that line is drawn. And you know, you can you yeah. just simply redraw it with, with any kind of mapping software. It's pretty significant. Yeah. So. All right. Well. Yeah, good, good, uh, good segue. I don't know how to segue into that other than we're going to talk about some other bad news right now, which is Living Social uh, reporting a $650 million net loss for their last uh, fiscal or their last fiscal year, which brings their losses from 2011 to two th and 2012 to over a billion dollars in losses, man. What? Yeah, this, this is scary stuff. Um, you know, and they're trying to, they're trying to, I mean, the reason this came out is because it's part of Amazon's filing and Amazon uh, is a key investor uh, in this 52 million bucks, uh, um, you know, uh, last year, uh, 200 million all in, I think, yep. roughly, yep. Uh, that Amazon's put into this company. Um, and, you know, as part of Amazon's filing, obviously, they had to disclose where they are. And, and out of that comes, you know, Living Social's lost 650 million, net uh, loss of 650 million. Uh, you know, and we, we talked, uh, I guess, just before the, the holidays about all the layoffs and everything else. So, you know, this is obviously, you know, the ammunition to back up why they have to, you know, scale back and, and, and go there. But, you know, as much as they want to spin this and say that, you know, the market is young, you know, there's lots of room to grow. We know, you know, we've been experimenting. We know what we have to do to succeed, which is what they're saying. Um, and, 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 you know, we've, we've made the right, you know, moves here, we've cut back, uh, you know, we, we don't expect these losses to sustain. Um, I think there's a lot of challenges here. I think, you know, you know, Living Social really needs to focus now on mobile, like we haven't seen a lot from them on the mobile side. Uh, they're not doing a heck of a lot on location. Um, you know, they're, you know, they've, they've taken some side ventures into, you know, restaurant business and other things. Um, 
this is a hard business. It's a uh, people resource intensive business, uh, as we've heard from Groupon and these guys. Um, there are a lot of challenges here, and um, you know I don't expect this this to turn around anytime soon. Well, you know, their revenues, uh, they over they more than doubled their revenues year over year from $250 million yeah. to $536 million. But their loss went from about $350 million up, up over $650 million. So it just shows you the cost of the revenue is so expensive right now. And it's a, it is labor intensive. They have to get, find a way, like Groupon has done to their credit to, and I hate giving Groupon any credit, but what they're doing is they're shifting their business model right in front of our eyes, right? They're moving away from the couponing and they're and they're acquiring companies that are going to eventually move them in a completely different direction. And, and Living Social is trying to do that. But the staggering thing was that $200 million that Amazon invested into Living Social is now on books, Living uh, Amazon classified, or uh, says that that is now worth $52 million um, given all of these losses. So the uh, the book value of that two hundred million dollars is fifty two million dollars, which is in, so they've lost three quarters of the value of that investment. They can't be that happy. And the only time that Amazon's really benefited is when they've offered a twenty dollar coupon for ten dollars into Amazon's store. And so, yeah, you know, and the other thing that that you know, I'm all I, like I also look at in this is is that um, you know the in those job cuts that you know that they that they did way back when four hundred or so jobs that they cut. Um, the um, part of that same announcement was is they, they completely withdrew from all sorts of international markets. I mean, so, so, that, so there's, there's big problems overseas uh, as well. I mean, they pulled out of the Middle East, they pulled out of the Netherlands, they pulled out of Mexico, they pulled out of, um, I, I think, Indonesia and a few other markets as well. And, and you know, there, there's, you know, so obviously there's challenges with these models. Uh, you know, the U.S. market, you know, is is overwhelmed with deal uh, systems. So they're fighting a battle where there's just you know uh, a wealth of platforms to choose from. Most of the ones that seem to be getting you know more of the traction are, are loyalty oriented, not you know just deal you know and, and margin uh, erosion. Um, so, so there's lots of stuff to, to deal with there. The international market, you know, never got it to begin with. In, in some cases, like the Dutch market, um, you know, guys like Scoopy over there are, you know, trying, um, you know, and, and trying to do things in a very local way, which is probably the only way you can you can survive. Um, and and so, so there's a, for me, there's a lot of challenges with this business, and uh, you know, I, I expect more losses, not uh, you know, significant turnaround anytime fast. Well, uh, you hit it on the head there with the, the local play on this is that, I mean, it's one thing to to create one in your city, right? And I think that your city, there are certain yeah. things in your city that are unique that, that it'll make it work. And the relationships that you create with the retailers will make it work, simply put. And, and uh, you know, in Canada, uh, Post Media shut down, just shut it down. Like, um, what was that? What was that thing called? Uh, there's Wagjag, which was uh, Four Star. Four Star. Yeah. And the post media one, they just they just simply shut it down. Like it wasn't working, they shut it down. And uh, and we haven't seen anything from it. Is that they, you can't can't make this work? I don't think you can make this work unless you have high local buy in. And um, and that's the challenge with these guys. So living social, like you, can, it's brute force, and that's what it felt like. Even with Groupon, it was brute force. Like we'll stick six thousand people out there selling, and it's brute force, and we're going to do it. And then all of a sudden, they mm -hmm. woke up one day and they realized that, you know, they can continue this, but they're bleeding. You know, at over two times, uh, two times revenue, the amount of money that they're bleeding, and it's just uh, you, you can't continue this way. Uh, it'll bleed to death. So, big loss for Living Social. It's going to be an interesting year, boy oh boy. Um, and uh, who knows where they're going to be by the end of this year? Uh, if they're going to be still uh, as big or in the same business. LivingSocial.com for those of you who don't know. One of the interesting comments that I saw in the Washington Post about this guy was that, uh, you know, I've never heard of Living Social. How could a company that I've never heard of lose $650 million? Like, I'm pretty sure there's a lot of people in that boat that just a lot of companies yeah. and, and people have never heard of Living Social. So Living Social, losing that much money. Crazy. All right. Uh, you you like this next story. Uh, I, I'm, I'm, I'm mixed on this. This is Intel and Pepsi partnering on, uh, on a way to, uh, I don't know what, increase the interactivity of a vending machine. Like, are they hoping that dwell time increases so they sell more drinks? Well, I think what they're hoping is, 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 is that, uh, you know, people choose this machine over maybe another machine because it's, you know, there's more fun to it. Um, so, so to explain what it is, Intel and Pepsi have teamed up and uh, have created a, a 
digital vending machine, so to speak, um, that uh, once you've once you've bought your uh, your item, you can you can do things on the machine. You know, effectively, there's a screen there uh, that you can play games on, and you can do some things to share and interact with your friends and your social network. Hi, this is Shara Butler at NRF in New York City at the Intel booth again, and I'm here with Ravi this time. We're at the new Pepsi Vinny machine. It's an interactive machine. Can you tell me a little bit about how it works? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so this is, um, uh, this is a digital medium that Pepsi chose to be able to interact with their consumers in a one-on-one -on -one fashion. So a consumer walks up to the uh, vending machine expecting a soda, and they can come in, touch anywhere, and uh, they have several options in here. They can choose to buy a drink, have all the different bottles that are of beverage that's in there and they can choose any one of them and be able to see more information about uh, that particular product, okay. um, see nutritional information associated with it. Uh, once they are satisfied with all of that, they can actually choose this button to touch and uh, vend it. Um, so once they are actually done with the vending and as they are enjoying the drink, they can actually uh, continue to interact with the machine in a more one-on-one -on -one fashion where there are game options um, where they can play an interactive game and then get uh, a gift if they're chosen for that and be able to gift that uh, uh, sort of for somebody across the town or maybe somebody across the world where they are sent a promo code with their email address and then they can take that to the machine and redeem it. So that's in a way uh, creating a lot of um, uh, social buzz for their beverages and be able to have more and more consumers interact with these kind of uh, machines. Is this available yet? Are you guys testing it anywhere? Yeah, this is, uh, uh, this is available in about uh, five uh, general growth property malls uh, uh, across the United States. Okay. And uh, they have 10 units about, uh, of, of these uh, scattered throughout those malls. And they're utilizing them to do evaluations on how the consumers are interacting with these uh, machines today and doing a lot of that analysis to be able to enhance how they deliver this into the real world. Great, thank you. Absolutely. This is Shara Butler at NRF. Um, so basically, it's a, it is about you know dwell time. It is about you know sort of increasing the engagement with the customer uh, in, in a uh, you know by creating some you know some fun around it. What what for me the big issue here, um, and we were talking about this beforehand. The, the big piece here that's missing for me is there's no connectivity whatsoever between this machine and and, and the mobile device in the in the pocket of the user that comes up to buy a Pepsi. Um, and I think that you know, if there was that connection, there's a lot of things that become possible uh, in, in terms of what you can do, right? So, you know, if, if that machine sitting in a in a in the in the cafeteria in my office building that I go to every day, you know, and two o'clock in the afternoon I go down and get my Pepsi or whatever it is, well, you know, if you had a relationship with my mobile mobile device and you could sense me walking up to that machine. You could do things on the screen that you know, a welcome me, you know, to the machine. You could say, hey, do you want the same thing that you had yesterday? Um, you know, because you know what I, I bought. You know, there, there's the ability to have a mobile payment to 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 enable that. There's a lot of things that could be done just by understanding proximity of that machine to proximity of the customer coming up via their mobile device. And I think that's a missed opportunity uh, here um, to kind of leapfrog uh, and do something really, really different. I like the gamification elements, but I don't think it's enough. Yes. I, mean, I think Pepsi is afraid uh, of Coke, right? Like, I think Coke is an innovative company uh, that they are looking at how they can use this. They look at these at, at uh, I mean, they look at all of these vending machines as vending machines, right? And I, th I it just seems like the way Coke is going is a much more natural way, which is, look, we have a network of these vending machines around the world. They're selling drinks. People understand what it is. So let's start adding different products and let's sell music. Let's sell digital goods. Let's sell anything that we can from these devices or, or from these yeah. machines because it's a natural extension of their business. What I think what Pepsi and Intel are doing here is like, like Vegasifying these, these machines to a point where yeah. like it's going from like a square wheel to, you know, a Lamborghini overnight where people are going to be overwhelmed. And the only thing they really want to do is what get a goddamn drink. Right. So enable me, as you yeah. said, enable me to, you know, first step, allow me to pay. And I think that the novelty of being able to pay with a device will bring people to that uh, that vending machine. You don't need 
yeah. games and, and like touch screens and who's going to clean that stuff and what happens when they break and the maintenance. And I'm thinking this is just an overkill for a simple solution, which is some stupid little NFC chip or Bluetooth chip in there that enables me to pay, get credited for my loyalty, send some gift cards, whatever you want to do. But I think that they're missing mm -hmm. the point and Coke gets it. These are vending machines. We have a massive network of vending machines. Let's vend through the vending machines and let's enable payments. I, 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 this is, it's just an overkill, but like, it, are we going to get there for sure? I think just Pepsi's maybe yeah. a couple of years too far in advance. And, and I, I don't find the use for this yet. Hey. I'm with yeah. you. Pepsi Intel. What do you think? Am I off here? Like, would you play a video game? Would you play a game on a vending machine at this moment? Or would you pay 99 cents or with the purchase of your drink? Would they, could they send you a free game to your mobile device? I think that that's even a better idea than playing it, right? Yeah. Well, again, it's, for me, it's about a relationship right. between that vending machine, that digital screen built into it, and, and the mobile yeah. device that's in my 100%. pocket. 100%. Right. Totally yeah. with so, you on that. So I mean, the, the real question is, why hasn't Pepsi reached out to us to talk about this before they go and spend these millions of dollars? If you're going to spend millions of dollars, Spend a fraction of that on us and we'll, we'll steer you clear of these ideas, these insane ideas, right? We'll help you for less than millions of dollars. We're available. Pepsi, yeah. Pepsi, 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 Pepsi. All right. All right. Our final story here is about, you know, here is an industry that is ripe for disruption. We've talked a little bit about, uh, you know, the, the restaurant industry in many episodes beforehand, but here's a company called Olo. They raised a lot of money. I'd say five million bucks and some acquisition in this space that that kind of makes this a very competitive landscape for, uh, you know, for going forward. And everybody's in the space from Google to Foursquare to, to uh, Apple. Uh, first, talk about Olo closing a, a good round of money. And what is Olo? Yeah, this, this is great. So this is their second round, Series B, five million. Um, they had raised 8.75 before. Uh, the bulk of this is coming from... Uh, existing investors, uh, David Frankel, uh, RRE Ventures, and Core Capital Partners. But one of the significant things about this round is uh, one of the investors is PayPal. And um, obviously, you know, to, to, to an outsider, that might be uh, a bit of a shock because, you know, PayPal has a its own mobile payments platform, right? Uh, why are they investing in Olo? But um, I, I think this makes a lot of sense. Uh, and it makes sense for a lot of reasons. We, we talk about PayPal all the time on this show. Everybody who watches us regularly knows I'm a huge PayPal uh, fan and think that they're the absolute company uh, to watch um, around mobile and location and, and all things there. Um, but here's why this makes sense to me. It makes sense because PayPal you know, obviously has their, their here uh, network to compete with Square. They, and they have their relationship with NCR that we talked about recently, which is huge and gets them into all sorts of businesses. They've been testing integration directly at retail. With, they launched a program with Home Depot uh, not too long ago uh, in all their stores. And now they've got 23 different retailers, uh, 18,000 stores that are you know, at point of sale enabled for, for PayPal with a whole bunch of major retail chains. But that's retail. And what PayPal doesn't have a good footprint in is the restaurant business. And so here comes Olo, and who's doing really well in getting restaurants on board because uh, they're all about mobile ordering um, of, of food. And PayPal says, well, we want, we want entry into that market. We want a piece of that market. And so rather than going and trying to do it on our own, as PayPal has been doing, well, let's, let's, let's invest in somebody. Let's partner with somebody. And, and so that's why this makes a lot of sense to me. It brings them into a different vertical and they've uh, they've really had a, a strong foothold. Well, uh, it, it's an incredible thing, and, and just so that everybody you know that we realize here is that uh, so far this year, PayPal is kicking Amazon's ass, right? They've they've had a hundred fifty million dollar write down on their investment into Living Social, and look, at, that's what Amazon did. But and PayPal just seems to be accelerating and getting all the right places pieces in place. So, I tip my hat to you, Asif. Yes, <laughs> PayPal. Uh, yeah, uh, so uh, Olo has uh, two and a half. Amazon's not going anywhere. What's, that, what's that? I said Amazon's not no, going no, anywhere. They're not. So. They're, they're still one of the greatest companies ever um, on the planet, um, and Bezos will will be the ruler of the planet. You know that. Um, 
they have uh, Olo has two point two and a quarter million uh, users. Uh, that that's up from a million just a year ago. So they've more than doubled their user base. They released a uh, Five Guys Burgers app, and that app has been downloaded six hundred fifty thousand times. And and I, for me. This is one of these these apps that uh, the biggest feature is this the mobile ordering capabilities that allow me to to order my stuff, pay for it from my device, and tell it say like I want to pick it up at six fifteen, right? So I can pre order and then it'll be ready when I get there at six fifteen instead of waiting in line with screaming kids and all those kind of things. I love this. I love it. I think that the convenience you find a pain like that, you solve that pain, you solve it for the uh, for the restaurants as well, and then you've got the the clout of PayPal coming in there. I mean, these guys are in 3,000 restaurants right now. It just, this is one of these, it's going to be a hotly contested industry going forward. This payment space for restaurants is going to be awesome. PayPal's right in the middle of that with Olo. Love it. Love it. What else do I have to say about that? Nothing. Yeah, not much. But, you know, in, in a quasi-related story, just to kind of smash things together, um, and, uh, you know, there, another news in the industry this week was OpenTable. Um, you know, which has been around for, for a while, uh, goes out and uh, and spends ten million dollars to acquire food spotting. Why don't you want you kick this one yeah, off? Right? This is uh, you know I I've I've never seen I mean they, they spent ten million dollars. Open Table spent ten million dollars on food spotting. Food spotting raised what three point seven five million dollars um, over over the course of their lifetime. Uh, they sold for ten million dollars. I, I mean, I, I've never, I've never used food spotting. Uh, you know, I certainly think that there is a, um, there are a lot of people who take pictures of their food on Instagram, and I think that it's a highly competitive space right now. Certainly, even Evernote is getting into the food photoing space as well. So everybody's in here, and you've got Yelp, and you've got all these other these companies, um, and then you've got this backlash from the restaurants. You hear this story this week, which was that the restaurants have outlawed, they've banned people taking photos of their food because maybe the presentation isn't up to par. So they don't want to have people judge their food based on the cover, right? And uh, so I think that there's, there's all these things happening around this. Food spotting started that trend. Uh, they were, would you consider them the lead in this industry, Asif? Uh, around food yeah. images? Yeah, yeah, I, I, would, I would say so. I mean, I, I think uh, you know, they've been at it for, for a good amount of time. You know, obviously they've, They've built up a, a significant user base. You know, the challenge for, for, for them obviously has been you know, how do you actually make money uh, from that? Um, but apparently, you know, as Instagram's proven, you can you can do things with photos and you know and sell for uh, some crazy valuation. Yeah, but they had three they had three point six million users, right? Yeah. And uh, they sold for ten million in cash, which I love. Take the money off the table. Yeah. For me, this is awesome for Facebook. Yeah. I mean, this is uh, you know people doing the right thing. You know, the offer came, they took it, they, 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 you know, they didn't try and hang on, they didn't pull a group on and say, no, we can do this better on our own. Um, you know, they took the money. Uh, Alexa, who's the founder, is going, going on and, and, and working with uh, OpenTable for, you know, at least for the next little while. And, um, you know, this is, I think this is a good deal. I think this is a good uh, relationship, I think, for OpenTable and for, for food spotting. Um, you know, and, and I also see the the value in this for Open Table. I mean, Open Tables, you know, uh, needs to get a little bit more social, needs to get a little bit more kind of connected uh, with the consumer uh, around you know, the stuff that they're ordering. And so I think you know, a, a product like Food Spotting makes sense. For yeah, I, I, it does, and and it fits well into obviously what Open Table wants to do, which is in which is in discovery as well for consumers. They did they so. Um, Food spotting had 3.6 million downloads, 2 million active uses per month. So that's not active users, that's engagements. 2 million engagements per per month. So if you did the math on this, it's roughly what like three bucks, three bucks a download is what uh, is what it, they sold for. And uh, yeah, I gotta commend them that they didn't ask for 20 or 30 or 80 or a billion dollars, and they didn't hold out and bought it. They took the money and ran. And they're actually saying that Open Table is saying that food spotting will stay as an independent app they're not going to shut it down they're not going to at this okay. point so I, I i like that but the founder is moving over to open table to help in the creative side but this is this is great because food spotting they must have realized look it's a competitive space open table has the reach that we can leverage in order to be able to get food spotting into more places more users more food and then um i i like this just because they took the money god love them they realized that they couldn't find <laughs> there's no other way to make money and uh so they took it and I like it. So 
that Olo closed $5 million, uh, which I love. And uh, food spotting took the money and ran cash, cash, $10 million in cash from open table cash. Cash. I like it. I mean, uh, uh, yeah, good. Good for them. Good for them. Those are the stories. If your story is not in there, why not? Come on. If you've raised some money, if you fit into any category in the location-based marketing space, you should have submitted your news to us. Reach out, rob at untether.tv or Steve at the LBMA.com. We will feature your story. I'm talking to you right now, right? Right into your ear. I'm talking to you. If you've got a story, we'd love to hear it. Thank you. Rob at untether.tv and Steve at the LBMA.com. Last piece of business, our research, our resource of the week, which is a bunch of research. And this is a uh, kind of a look back at the what happened the state of location-based uh, services in 2012. This is, uh, you can find this on uh, the lbma.com forward slash research. What is this? See if this is a great little infographic. It's a little infographic that kind of looks at, uh, you know, a bunch of numbers that kind of look at the growth of location-based services from a, a few different aspects. So, you know, they're looking at uh, how many businesses are in Foursquare, uh, engagement in terms of how many, you know, uh, people, uh, are willing to receive location-based offers, the impact on digital signage. There's a few uh, great quotes in here from some, some industry players. They pulled data together basically from a number of sources, um, Pew Internet Research, uh, report that we did with uh, PricewaterhouseCoopers uh, up here in Canada on, on retail, uh, Arbitron data as well. Um, so, so there's some good data in here. Um, you know, one of the one of the stats you know, from the Arbitron piece is it says 19% of consumers made an unplanned purchase after seeing an ad of an item on on a screen, which is you know that that's that's a big number. Um, and you can only imagine if you know to the Pepsi Intel discussion we just had, you know, if you can get 19% of people to make a purchase when they see an ad on a screen in a store or or wherever they are, well, can you imagine if if the ad was targeted? To somebody as they walked up, based on device the data that they were pulling off of the mobile device, you know that number is going to be way over 90%. So you know it's um, you know it, it's interesting stuff. So anyhow, take a look at it. Uh, LBMA the LBMA.com forward slash research. It is there. It just shows you that the mobile device is the conduit to the to the next generation of impulse buys, right? The bubble gums and the chocolate bars that are at the checkout counters of every grocery store or every store. Yep. Those are impulse buys, right? That's why they put everything up there in a nice package. It's, it's, it's a, it, it, it sells for a specific price. And that is what, what mobile can do for your business and location can do for your business done right. 19% just by accident, so to speak. And uh, impulse buys, God love it. So yeah. head to the lbma.com forward slash research and you will find that and so much more. Like it's incredibly amount of research that you've got. Yes. And speaking about that, um, uh, just something just popped in my head. If you are going to our site, and, and we obviously encourage you to come to the LBMA.com, um, there's a survey uh, up there on, on a couple of the banners that are running. We partnered with the CMO Council on a, uh, a study that they're doing on uh, looking at social, mobile, and location and, and how that comes together. So if you're a brand marketer, you're an agency person uh, out there, um, there's a short little survey. Uh, we'd love you to fill it out and complete it. Just click on the banner and it'll take you right to the survey. Um, again, that's in partnership with the CMO Council and the LBMA. Um, so uh, just look for the banners on the site. And when does that, that uh, when does that end to see if, or is it just going to be ongoing? Uh, it's up, it'll be up for the next couple okay. of weeks. Yeah, so, so please, yeah, yeah, your, your, your voice is important. So reach out and this is a good way to do it. A safe, safe travels to San Francisco, warm and sunny San Francisco. Full report we expect next week when you get back. On episode Absolutely. number 116. And until then, see you later, everybody. Have a great week. Cheers.